You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 137, with Todd Tresseter. And today we're talking about wealth management. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your host and founder of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, and this is where we are enhancing your mindset from a scarcity mindset to a mindset of abundance so that you can start living an amazing life today and not wait until dot, 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 fill in the blank, whatever it is that you've been waiting for so that you can live that amazing life that you know you want and deserve. You need to start doing that now. Time is limited. None of us are getting out of this alive. So it's time for you to start living today. Even if it's those little moments, collect experiences, not stuff. That's part of what we're going to be talking about today with Todd. But also we're going to be talking about wealth management. And you might be thinking, well, Wally, I don't have wealth. How can I manage what I don't have? Listen, you have to start managing what you have to start getting to the point to where You have wealth, and wealth isn't just measured in dollars, but today we are talking about money, and that's okay. It's okay to talk about money. We're talking about money here because you won't talk about money at home, and that's probably because you don't have much money, and it's kind of embarrassing to talk about money when you don't have much money. Or, and, and that might stem from the fact that you didn't talk about money at home and your upbringing was different. And sometimes they even talk about money in church, how money is evil and all this other kind of crap. It's just not true. You got to get those cobwebs. You got to get that negative, that stinking thinking out of your mind so that you can start living an amazing life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness. We pull it all together. It's very important. And what Todd and I are talking about today, I admittedly know very little about. I know very little about investing. I haven't put much effort into it. I haven't put much thought into it. But it is something that I have had in the back of my mind. I've read multiple books. Many years ago, I started reading all these books about investing. And to me, it really did seem like a gamble. But the more I talk to people who are actually investing large sums of money, when done correctly... It really isn't the gamble that I thought it was. And Todd and I have that conversation as well. So I just want to point out right up front that the reason why I'm having this conversation with Todd is because I don't know much about this subject and I want to learn more about the subject. That's why I have these conversations. And then I record them and I share them with you because I know many of you are in the same situation and in the same mindset. So sit back and prepare to enhance your mindset as it pertains to wealth and investing. Because it is going to get a bit uncomfortable. And listen guys, you know other men are looking for this type of information. Be abundant in your life today and pay it forward to other men. Share men of abundance with all of you guys, all the guys in your circles. Make sure that they at least know what men of abundance is, what we're doing over here. Let them make the decision if they like it or not. You never know if they're going to resonate with me, resonate with our guests, and resonate with the conversations that we're having here. And then introduce them to the Men of Abundance community on Facebook. And if you're not already a member of the Men of Abundance community on Facebook, go to menofabundance.com 
forward slash members or just click on the members tab at the top of any of the pages on menofabundance.com. All right, guys, let me get right into it and introduce you to Todd. Todd Tresseter graduated from the University of California at Davis with a BA in economics and a passion for creating successful businesses. A serial entrepreneur since childhood, Todd went on to build his own wealth as a hedge fund investment manager before retiring at 35. He grew his net worth from less than zero at 23 to a point of financial independence just 12 years later. Todd has maintained his wealth by remaining an active investor and utilizing statistical and mathematical risk management systems for investing. Through his website at financialmentor.com, he teaches advanced investing and advanced retirement planning principles. Through his programs, you can take the next step beyond conventional financial advice and discover what works, what doesn't, and why, based on years of proven experience. Men of Abundance, it is my honor to introduce you to Mr. Todd Tresseter. Todd, welcome to Men of Abundance, man. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on the show, Wally. Where are you at in the world? Reno, Nevada. Reno. On the mainland from you. Yeah, on the mainland, yeah. Close to the uh, eighth island, we like to call it. Uh, yeah. Out here in Hawaii, <laughs> Vegas is the eighth island. Eighth or ninth, I always forget. <laughs> One of those two. So before we get too much into the show, I like to start the show out the same way I start out every single morning, which is with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be grateful for today, Todd? Well, I mean, it's cliche, but it's my health, obviously. Yeah. Um, with health, you can create anything. So yeah, you know, I have a lot to be grateful for besides just health, though. I'm, you know... Um, financial gratitude, uh, my family, um, the adventures I've had in life and the adventures I'm going to have in life. So there's a lot to be grateful for, um, but it all stems from health. With health, I can do anything. Without health, I can't do anything. 100% absolutely agree. And uh, your financial, um, you know, you're talking about financial health and everything. And that's another thing that we really like to talk about here at Men of Abundance because we are here to live our life and live an abundant lifestyle and everything, family, faith, finances, and fitness. And so many people's financial health is just in complete disarray. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, I don't know, we just don't teach it in, in the basics in school anymore. And I don't know that we ever did, but um, we're definitely going to get into that conversation. And well, you know, what's, it, what's interesting on it is uh, finding abundance in all the categories. So, for instance, you know, I'll work with clients where they have great financial abundance, but then they've let their health really slip to get it. Mm -hmm. So, what happens with a lot of people is they trade one category for another. In other words, they'll f super focus on one category to create abundance in it, and they'll let other categories go by. And so, it's, it's I mean, balance isn't even the right word because I don't think there's anything in life called balance, right? At least that's my experience. But um, to to find abundance in multiple categories, that's the challenge. Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree with that. In fact, I literally just did a um, Pay It Forward Friday episode this last Friday as of today is the 10th of July. Uh, at the time of this recording, and I literally just had that conversation with, um, you know, I did a Facebook Live, and then I multi, I shared that on my podcast and everything about that subject specifically about I don't believe there is balance. In fact, the title, I think the title of the post was, if you have balance in your life, you're not growing as a man, a husband, and a father, because you have to have that counterbalance 
And like you said, if you're trying to improve in one part of your life, other parts are going to kind of fall to the wayside and be neglected at least for a short period of time. So uh, it, it is more of a counterbalance as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think, you know, I think comfort is an overstated or um, over-desired thing. People want to be comfortable. But in fact, I, what you want to do is embrace discomfort. When you embrace discomfort, you're going to end up being out of balance because discomfort is where the growth occurs. Uh, discomfort is where you're overcoming challenges. That's where the real rewards are. That's where you're breaking through to new levels for yourself. And so when you embrace that discomfort as what's truly desirable and you recognize comfort as something you want to avoid, um, then this idea of balance becomes kind of interesting because balance is more aligned with being comfortable, whereas being out of balance is more aligned with discomfort, and yet that's where you want to go. Exactly, exactly. And man, you know, that's really, really true. It's just resonating with everything I've been thinking about this week and and how, where this conversation is going because exactly that. I mean, so many people and, I, you know, the fact of the matter is I'm very comfortable right now in my life. I mean, I live in a beautiful place of the world. I literally live on the beach. I could hang out in a hammock all day long if I want to. Well, not technically because I do have a job, but nonetheless, it, it, I'm in a comfortable place in my life. And I know it can all be gone in, a, in just a second. And my health is relatively good. Anything could turn super quick. And if we're not consistently growing, then like they always say, you're just one event away from disaster, financial disaster, yeah. physical disaster, whatever. So you got to keep progressing. Yeah, everything's either growing or dying. Right. There is no status quo. And so are you on a path of growth or are you on a path of death? Which one are you doing? Are you declining or are you expanding? Exactly. And that's why we do like to touch on everything that we can as far as those four categories are concerned. Because to me, and it's different for everybody, but to me those are the core things in our lives that I think as long as we continue to grow in all four of those things and you know balance it out from one to the other, uh, I think we're on the right path. That's me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I, I, the, the, the idea of balance, I've really let go of. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I look on it more as the closest thing I've ever found to balance is stints where I really pursue something for a stint and then I go over and I balance it back out by doing something else with focus. But I haven't found, um, the ability to just kind of do well by just sort of keeping everything afloat. Mm -hmm. Right. But I can, I can do really well by focusing. So, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a focused person. But in my coaching, I've noticed the same thing with most of my clients, too. Right. And how would that look in your industry? How would that, you know, as far as going back and forth on that? Well, I mean, my business is financialmentor.com. So, yeah, I was in the wealth planning industry. I was in the hedge fund business. So when I was in the days of the investment management business, that's different from the days I'm in now, which is building an information product business and an education business online, a financial education business. And so for what it looks like for me today, you know, like right now, I'm very focused on building out the first course, um, which we'll probably talk about in this interview. And so that takes an extraordinary amount of time to do well. Um, I, you know, I thought I had a clue as to how much work it would be, and I had no clue. <laughs> and so it's, you know, if you multiply, you know, it's like doing a remodel. They say it'll cost you twice as much and take twice as long. And then that's an understatement. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with building out a course, only it's even more of an understatement. It's just, there's way more to it than it looks to make it look simple and good. But anyway, so 
I'm pretty far out of balance on that. It's taking a lot of my time. Um, and so we're trying to maintain balance in the family with like taking good vacations and things like that. And it's tough to do, you know, so I go on vacation. When I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation. I don't sit there and check email and, and respond to stuff. I'm present with the family and I'm on vacation. And when I'm working, I'm focused on my work and I'm trying to produce results. So I think it's a lot about being just present to what you're creating and what you're focused on. Yeah, I, I can completely relate. And when I started this podcast, it was the same thing. I was like, well, you know, it's recording, you know, a few interviews and putting it up on this on iTunes and on this website. Boy, did I underestimate the time investment in getting this done. I started out with three shows a week and now I'm down to one show a week with a, you know, real quick five minute show that I do this super quick. But even that takes time to edit and yeah. to put it all up. And in the process of getting this started just over a year ago, I had a, a full on six pack, almost an eight pack. And within a couple months, it was like, okay, where's that gum? <laughs> where where these little yeah. love handles come from? Uh, because I really did. I, I just wasn't, I was spending my morning time instead of the workout. I was spending my morning time editing shows because I still have a full-time job that I, you know, I'm, am committed to. And yeah, definitely had to. So now I'm at the point to where I'm got a really, really good rhythm going and now I'm getting back into, you know, my workouts and stuff and it's going to teeter-totter back and forth. Yeah, as it naturally does. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because it, it takes focus to create anything you know, and anything worth doing anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I was looking through your bio and the information that I got when I was introduced to you. And one of the things that really stood out for me that I absolutely love is that you, you have here that, you know, many investment gurus and anybody really that's, I'm using air quotes, that's, you know, in the millionaire status and or wealthy or making a lot of money, whatever that is. But in this case, the flashy cars, the expensive clothes, living in a mansion and all this kind of stuff. But you point out that that's just not who you are. You're more the millionaire next door, which is a great book, by the way. Um, and and I think last I checked, there was something like, I don't know how many, there's several, there's millions of millionaires in the United States and most of them are that millionaire next door. Yeah. A few of them are those guys. Literally, in my what on my readings and the people I've talked to, the millionaires that I know just do not live that lifestyle that we see on TV and, you know, um, lifestyles of the rich and famous and stuff like that. That's a very small minority of the majority of millionaires. Yeah, one of the the undiscussed truths is that when you can afford to have anything, you generally don't want much of anything. Um, a lot of the desire for having things comes from your lack of ability to have them. You co you covet that which you can't possess. Yeah, that's a very profound statement, and I see that absolutely true. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, like I'm 56 now, and I, I quote-unquote retired at age 35. So I've been at this for a while now. You know, and the thing that's really precious is time. And, you know, it's a, all these things are cliches, right? I mean, we've all heard it a million times, but living it, and knowing it in your bones is something very different. And so it's like, you know, I only have so much time left. What am I going to do with it that means something to me? What am I creating with my life going forward that, you know, holds meaning for the use of my day each day? You know, what brings me happiness? These are these are tough questions, but yet that's the stuff you want to deal with. And it, when you achieve financial independence, a lot of people don't realize this, but most most people when they finally achieve financial independence, they struggle with it, struggle with it. They get there, and then they find that it's very disorienting. And the reason why is because 
your life has kind of a pre-prescribed agenda until you reach financial independence, right? You got to work, you got to make money, you build wealth, you do all these things to be a responsible adult. And you're building, 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 and then suddenly you don't have to do that anymore. Suddenly you have, you know, the, that time, those hours in a day to commit to whatever is fulfilling for you in life to create what you want. And so it shifts entirely from, you know, uh, not really being responsible for your life. I mean, you think you're being responsible, but you're not because your life is pre-prescribed to suddenly you have to be responsible for every decision in your life because nothing is required of you. And it, it's very disorienting for people. It's a, it's it's quite a burden of responsibility. How different do you think that is? Like, for instance, when you have somebody who, you know, started out in very meager means, worked their way up, worked hard, did everything they had to do, invested whatever it is that they're doing for their wealth, compared to the individuals who, like, let's say sports figures or pop stars or one of these American Idol type folks that just come into loads of cash all of a sudden rather quickly, even though it took a long time for them to get to that point, but just like, bam, they go from $40,000 a year to several million. What what do you think is the difference between those two? Uh, building a base of who you are and what you stand for and what brings you joy. I think sudden riches, I mean, it's extremely rare, right? right. I mean, most, most cases of sudden riches actually are built on 10, 20 years of hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the cases you gave, you know, the sudden sports celebrity or something like that, yeah, yeah, they've got a decade of hard work working out building their sports expertise with the goal of always making it big time, and then they finally do. Um, you know, I'm not an expert on the celebrity side. I haven't worked with any. Uh, I know that my expertise is on the guy who built it. You know, I work with people to build their wealth in the first place to grow it brick by brick and to achieve their goals in life. So I don't have a lot of experience on the sports celebrity side, but what I've seen superficially is kind of an easy come, easy go mentality. Like they made the money and they start assigning it to their, they start assigning their net worth to their personal worth mm -hmm. and start thinking a little differently. And you, you don't want to mix those things up. You want to recognize that money is just a tool to achieve objectives in your life and you don't want to give it too much of a high priority. And yet, it's an important thing and you want to prioritize it accordingly. But yet, you don't want to let it get beyond its proper role in your life, which is just to serve you as a tool in life. Right, yeah. And in the service industry type of thing, it's, I'm sure it's the same kind of in investing a little bit as well. But, you know, money, like you said, is just a tool. The real value is the value that you bring to the marketplace and whatever that is. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit different from you here. We've been you know we've been agreeing all along. We we don't want to make this too boring where we're just like totally in alignment here, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think I think it's about experiences, not stuff. Right. So like I use money to buy experiences, um, and that's that's where I spend my money. I don't buy it on stuff. Like if you look, I've got very ordinary cars. They're they're reliable cars. They're good cars. They're very ordinary. I've got a nice house. Um, it's expensive only because of its location. So I cared about the location because the location affects my experience of life. The house itself is not flashy by any standard, but because of where its location is, I can walk to all these downtown events. And in Reno, they have you know a thing called Art Town where it's a month of just arts and festivals. And there's the baseball stadiums right downtown. Everything that goes on is downtown because the casinos are downtown. And they fund a lot of the stuff. And so there's this little pocket of land near downtown that has these beautiful old homes. Um, so it's not like a grandiose home, but the location creates the experience. And so, and that's consistent with almost everything I do. Like, you know, um, 
I just I care about the experiences of life because that's what you remember and that's what other people remember. You know, there's a great quote that says that people never remember what you said, they remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And really the thing is, is we, really, we definitely agree with that and all the guys know that I'm always telling them, collect, st- collect experiences, not things. And yeah. case in point, I live in a 12, I moved from a 2,400 square foot home in a very plush area here in Hawaii, in Eva Beach, to a 1,200 square foot home, and it's a single wall home, and I pay just as much as I was paying for a $721,000 home in Eva Beach, and it's just because I'm on the beach now, and it's just for the experience of, of living in this environment. And I'm paying for the experience, not the, I don't have a mansion on the beach, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And who needs a mansion? I mean, you think about it, you need a nice, comfortable bed, you oh, need yeah. a nice, comfortable chair to sit in, a kitchen to prepare your food. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, beyond that, I mean, your your backyard is the beach. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and that's what I love. I, one of my bucket list things was to be able to, it, it's, it sounds kind of weird, but to be able to see the beach and the water from my bathroom and I can hear the water, the, the waves crashing and stuff like that. But my point that I was making was with with money in general is that, like you were saying, it is. it really is just a tool. Once people realize that the reason why you get the amount of money that you get or don't is because of the value that you offer to the marketplace, that's the real value and that's what you should really cherish and and really cultivate because ultimately that's where the money is going to come from. Yeah, I have no disagreement with that. I think I think that's the proper way to build business. I mean, there's there's ways to scam money and there's mm-hmm. all kinds of different things. But if you want to build a solid business that's personally rewarding as well as financially rewarding, you have to focus on delivering value. Yeah, absolutely. So, Todd, you know, what did you say? You're 56? Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm working on 50 myself. And I know that out of all the people that I've talked to in my own experience, anybody who's progressing in life as we were talking about and growing in life, we're going to have those kick-in-the-gut moments. And I like to point this out because I like the guys to understand that we all have similar, not the same, but similar kick in the gut moments. And it's what it takes for us to get out of those situations. And everybody's is slightly different. I'd love for you to share one of those moments with us and kind of really make us feel that. (laughs) Well, because I'm an investor, I get kick in the gut moments all the time. The markets (laughs) are very kind to give those to you. Um, I I think, you know, you never forget the first time you lose $100,000 in a day. And for me, it was, uh, I was, I'm one, I'm one of the 5% that successfully traded the commodity markets. And I remember the day I woke up and Chernobyl had had a meltdown and it, and so what had happened was there was nuclear waste that went over the wheat fields across the, the breadbasket of Russia. And basically all the commodity markets that day went lock limit in almost the opposite direction they had been going. So like all my positions were in the red and because they went lock limit, even your uh, risk management can't uh, limit the loss because most of them don't trade. They just go lock limit. You can't even get out. And so, you know, I woke up that morning and suddenly I was a hundred thousand dollars poorer, even though I had excellent risk management and I had completely valid systems and it complete, it, it reminds me always of the, unpredictable nature of life like you can only control it to some extent there's always risk you can manage risk but you can only manage it so far and there's always statistical outliers and there's things that will occur um that that you just can't plan for and it happens and you have to be able to absorb them 
So anyway, I, it was quite the kick in the gut. Like I said, you never forget the first the first time you wake up and you're a hundred thousand dollars poorer from investing. Yeah, but like you said, you already had other insurance in place and stuff like that as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was part of a bigger picture financial situation. So, I mean, I was fine, you know, and obviously I've endured and I've, you know. So, I do enough right to do well, but there's always mistakes and there's always setbacks. And that's just the nature of the business. Yeah, that's always important. And I'm sure that that comes out in your coaching practice as far as, you know, what you're doing for the guys and and the folks that you're coaching in your finance business, which I really want to get into. That's what really intrigues me as well is, you know, I've never, I've studied investing. It's something that I've, you know, been told you definitely have to invest and I've just never been able to get my hands around it personally. Um, But I'm always very intrigued every time I have these conversations. I just recently had a conversation with Tim Sykes, who was, he's huge in penny stocks multi-millionaire and teaches people how to do that and i'm just always really interested in that so what do you do for the people that you mentor well my bent is completely different so everything i teach is based on two equations mathematical expectancy and future value um and the, the reason for that is that's the math that governs wealth growth and when you understand the math behind it you recognize that it implies certain principles that are inviolable Um, Because that's simply the way your money grows. So, for instance, one of the primary principles I kind of touched on in the last example, which is risk management. Risk management is absolutely critical. And that's because uh, one thing a lot of people don't understand, people intuitively get probability, right? They, They know the odds of something occurring or not occurring. And they know something's unlikely or something's likely and all that stuff. So that's where people get a little bit confused because expectancy is probability times payoff. And so the thing about investing that confuses a lot of people or or derails a lot of people is they don't understand the implications of large payoffs, either negative or positive, even when they're infrequent uh, to the distribution of returns and the overall compound growth of your wealth. And again, that ties back into the future value equation. And so, again, everything I teach is rooted in science and math and research. Um, And I'm not some technical weird dude. You can even hear it in my voice. I sound like a California surfer kid. Um, it's just, you know, but that's, that's what works. That's what governs wealth growth and you have to invest according to the equations and you have to manage risk and you have to, um, get positive large payoffs. Cause again, when you introduce the payoff equation, that's the piece you can actually tilt and manage. Probabilities are very difficult to manage because the future is always unknowable, right? And so the essence of investing is you have to put capital at risk into an unknowable future. And so how do you profit? by putting capital at risk into an unknowable future. It's quite a conundrum. Well, as it turns out, what you can do is you can tilt the payoff portion of the equation. You can't you, you can't necessarily, you can manage probabilities to some extent, but the easier and most uh, profitable portion is to manage the payoff portion of the equation. Hmm. Yeah, that's I can kind of bite off on that because you're really talking more about like you said, the math behind it and, and the probability of it, because that's one of the things that I've always thought about the whole process was it's just such a gamble. Um, investing and it's in not somebody else. Yeah. And I'm getting, See, that's that. the that's thing is it's saying. not, it's science. If, mm-hmm. if you really understand it, it's science. It appears like a gamble, but that's only because you're equating it to gambling in terms of probabilities, you know, probabilities, payoffs, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the difference is gambling, you distributed random hands all the time. The markets are not completely random. They're not completely predictable either, as I already pointed out. 
but they're not completely random as conventional wisdom would teach you. There are places where there's favorable probabilities and favorable payoffs, and there's places where there's negative probabilities, negative payoffs. And so there are ways to tilt the equation so that you have a positive expectancy over time and you can make it science. No. Um, it would be so it'd be the equivalent of, you know, being a blackjack player and getting to choose which hands you play after they're dealt. Yeah, very interesting. No, I like that. And so what are some good news stories of what you've done for folks that have worked with you and you've mentored through the financial this whole financial process? Well, I've had quite a few that have achieved financial independence, but I think more interesting is, um, you know, I, t I was telling you about building that course. That's what's on the forefront of my mind because that's what I've been working on. Um, I was, I didn't build courses for a long time. I mean, for people that don't know they're listening, they don't even know anything about me. I, you know, I came up through as a financial coach. So originally, Financial Mentor began as a little boutique coaching business. I was just curious if I could actually help ordinary people achieve extraordinary financial results in life. And so... I had this little financial coaching business. I didn't want to be a financial advisor. I had no interest in hawking uh, investment products for a living. Um, but I love the idea of coaching people. And so I was working, so there's no, that means there's no investment product sales. That's the distinction between coaching. You're just simply working with the individual to help make smarter decisions. And so, but I, I kept putting off putting Todd in a box, try to productize my knowledge and experience. And the reason why is I was very concerned that um, that it couldn't match the coaching experience. I couldn't replicate it. And the good news experience that you're asking about that I'm going to share is I've been blown away. The The product is doing a better job than my coaching. The results that it's producing are, is better than my coaching. And because it's a product, I'm able to sell it a lot cheaper. And so uh, I'm just real excited with where all this is going. That is exciting. So the results clients are producing, it's just, it's blowing my mind, you know? Yeah. And so in, in that product, and I'm sure in your coaching, but in that product, does it share the, the thought process that you have and the values that you have, for instance, you know, all over your information, everything that I've read about you, you're always, like you said earlier, looking for experiences instead of stuff and you want to enjoy freedom instead of flash. Is that, does that come out in the course as well? Somewhat in the course in the early part. The, so the course we're talking about is called the step three, how to design your wealth plan. So the, the idea behind it is that a wealth plan done right is nothing like what traditional financial advisors do, right? The traditional financial advisor wealth plan is, you know, make as much as you can, save what you can, bring it to me, and I'll put it in this magical asset allocation. And eventually, you'll be rich, right? And so it's basically just shovel your money towards me. As the, as the investment manager. And so what this does is this starts out with, you know, the topic is you Inc and how you run your wealth like a business. And I go through all that and that's about how to find your why and all the other pieces. And then it goes into the traditional financial plan, but it completely looks at it from a different angle. It shows the limitations, it shows where it works, where it doesn't work, and you decide if it's gonna work for you. Because it's the simplest plan. Um, but it doesn't work for a lot of people in a lot of situations. And then I go into the advanced planning framework, and that uses different asset classes, business and real estate, and it completely twists the math because you bring in different asset classes. The traditional asset class has really strong mathematical limitations to the growth of your wealth, but when you bring in the other asset classes and you introduce various principles, it completely changes the math of a wealth growth equation. And that's why you see things like 20-something millionaires you know, and 30-something millionaires they never did it by, um, you know, 
shoveling money to their financial advisor and buying mutual funds and and averaging down or any of the other stuff that you hear quoted, uh, dollar cost averaging. They don't do any of that stuff, right? I mean, if if you had an interview with a twenty something millionaire and they said that's how they did it, it'd be a laughable joke, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's always alternative asset classes, real estate and business. And so anyway. It goes into that, and it just shows you a different way of approaching how you build wealth in your lifetime. I like that. I really like that. When is that going to be available? Mm-hmm. So it's available right now. It's the Step 3 Design Your Wealth Plan course. It's on the website. You find it under the Products tab, and so people can go there and find it. And it's the only course that's publicly available now. The next course I'll build is the Expectancy Investing course. That's one people are really kind of beat me up to get done and that's all about a completely different approach to paper assets uh, based on, again, expectancy investing principles. And again, like the wealth plan course, it's, I, I really should call it expectancy wealth planning because uh, it's all built around how you take these asset classes and you combine them with expectancy principles. So I'll give you one example just to wet your whistle, right? Because it's kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. The business asset class is unique in that you can have extraordinarily tilted payoff components. Like you can test businesses for almost no capital, just time, right? So your negative payoff is extremely small, whereas your positive payoff can be millions of dollars when you get it right. And so it it defines a whole different approach to uh, building a business and managing the risk when designing businesses and how you do fail fast, fail, you know, minimum viable product and fail fast principles and all these other principles that you see these growing technology companies implementing and I show the math behind it and why that's actually the way you build wealth in the asset class in the business asset class Um, and the unique aspect is that you could be wrong a hundred times there's no other asset class you can do this in you can be wrong a hundred times a thousand times in business and if you manage your risk properly you only have to get it right once and then roll it up and you're wealthy and that's the unique thing. And that's what you see all the time. You can actually, I have a uh, lesson in the course where I show how the rich got that way. And we actually pulled data from various sources, including the IRS and all these independent sources. And I showed that that's exactly how the rich get that way. They get it right once and they roll it up. Wow. Yeah, excellent. I'm digging it. And I'm looking, I was looking over your site, um, Financial Mentor. And what was the other, there was another website you mentioned. No, no, there's only one. Financial, yeah, financialmentor.com is my website. And then the course that we're talking about is the step three, uh, how to design your wealth. Yeah, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I'm definitely going to take a look at that myself. Uh, Because I am very, like I said at the beginning, I'm very intrigued. I've always been very intrigued in just the many different ways to make money and to make my money work for itself or work for me. Well, the, the difference... Yeah, the difference is it's not one size fits all. See, I mean, so many experts will come on and they'll talk about it. Like, you know, like you're saying, one guy comes on and he says, oh, the path to wealth is penny stocks, you know, and I have no idea if he's right or wrong. I don't know anything about him, right? But what I'm pointing out is there's not one right path that what you have to do, you have to look at your personal interests, your skills, and your resources. That's what you bring to the equation, Mm -hmm. right? And that, that 
points a certain direction. Then you look at the characteristics of the asset classes. Each asset class has unique characteristics to it. You've got to blend the asset classes to your unique skills and interests to create a plan that will actually work for you. It's a very different way of looking at it. It's not saying, oh, this is the answer and everybody should go follow me. Instead, it's saying, no, these are, your three, these are the only three asset classes you can choose from. you got to assess what you're bringing the equation. You've got to put it all together in a comprehensive plan. That's how it actually works in practice. Yeah, absolutely. And Tim said the same exact thing that I was talking about earlier with the penny stocks. And I've talked to many other people who really that are really doing this have really done the same thing. I've known people personally who would sit for hours on end and do day trading. And it was <laughs> it was amazing to watch them do what they were doing. But I was just like, I just could not wrap my mind around it. I couldn't sit for hours doing something like that. It just my mind isn't set up for something like that. So I definitely agree with that. Well, and here's the funny thing about that. That's just a job. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, yeah. it's just a different job, right? You're yeah. still glued to a computer screen. You're still stuck in front. And when you're not working, i.e. in front of that screen, you ain't making money, right? Because if you're – if yeah, if you're trade trading, you just created a job for yourself. You think you're an investor, but you're not. Mm-hmm. And you're not financially independent by day trading. Exactly. That's exactly what I saw. And I was like, I do not want to do that. And they were stressed out a lot of the time. I mean, super stressed out. Well, it is stressful. It is. There's a reason they're stressed out. It's stressful. They've got all their capital at risk. You know, they're having to manage the risk at all time, and the markets are volatile, and the future's unknown, and they're having to, you know, put that capital at risk in that unknowable future. It's very stressful. Absolutely. Man, Todd, I could talk about this forever. I really could, but I'm going to get into your website personally and look around and get some information and look at that course for sure. But at this point in the show, we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Sure. Outstanding. Hey, man, if you guys are ready to take your life and your business to the next level, man, if I'm serious, I have something for you to check out. I just had a conversation this weekend with Evan Money. I was so pumped up after that conversation with him and I didn't think I could get any more excited until I watched one of his documentaries that he has on Amazon Prime called Words of Art. You have to go check out this movie where he has conversations with Darren Hardy, Dennis Waitley, and so many other amazing individuals. And you're going to be able to hear our conversation in episode 139. It's going to post on the 20th of November, but that's not what I want to talk to you about right now. You're going to actually get the opportunity to meet Evan Money and meet his business partner, Dave M. Lucas. Because Dave and Evan are holding an amazing three-day event called Grow, Thrive, Revive, February 27th to March 1st. And listen, there are only 25 slots, so you're going to have to jump on this really quick. I'm going to have the link in the show notes, but you can go to growthriverevive.com and see what this is for yourself. But just to give you a brief idea of what we're talking about here, Grow, Thrive, and Revive is a -a one-of-a-kind experience for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and leaders to focus on their business, maximize their capabilities, and create an amazing life experience in doing so. You will spend three days learning the best strategies, systems, and life hacks to grow yourself and your capabilities to help your business thrive. And doing it all while having the experience of your life, swimming with dolphins, racing Porsches, and much more helping you to revive. So either check out the link in the show notes or go directly to growthriverevive.com so that you can learn more about this event and learn more about who exactly is Evan Money and Dave Lucas. 
And listen, if you're serious about growing yourself and your business, you need to secure your seat at this inaugural Grow, Thrive, and Revive Summit and get the high-level coaching and training that you deserve. When you decide to register, hey, tell Evan that Wally sent you. No, seriously. When you do the registration, they're going to ask you who referred you. Go ahead and put Wally Carmichael in the box so that Evan knows that I sent you over there. And guys, I look forward to seeing you at Go Thrive Revive. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Share one to three actionable steps that our abundant leaders can take today. Uh, Decide what you want. Create a plan to get there and take action on it. Like, you know, big rocket science, right? Yeah. Um, You know, it's nothing revolutionary and yet that's what works. Right. If you want to go create something, if you want to go live on the beach and you're committed to that, create a plan to get there and then take action on it until you get what you want. Then correct and adjust based on whatever you learn as you take action. You never fail until you learn something that tells you the goal isn't what you want anymore or you take a hit in which you get knocked out of the race. As long as you manage risk all along the way, you can take hits along the way and you just keep correcting, adjusting, eventually you'll get there. But you'll never get there unless you get clear on what you're committed to, you develop a plan to get there that's based on sound principles, and then you take relentless action until you get the goal. Mm, For sure. That sounds so familiar. (laughs) What daily habits make the biggest impact in your life? I think working out. Um, I'm I'm ADD. I'm totally, you know, you can probably hear it my voice, fairly intense mind. Um, And so running every other day, you know, serious workout every other day, it, um, it keeps my mind peaceful and clear and focused so I can produce the work I produce. Um, it also keeps me in shape and in good health. So I would say that habit is probably critical. Excellent. What are you reading or listening to right now that you would recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Um, well, the book that's in front of me right now at my desk is called The Improbability Principle. So that's Improbability Principle. It's by David Hand. Uh, he's a statistician out of uh, Great Britain. And the subchapter is kind of interesting. It's or sub, subtitle. It's uh, Why Coincidences, Miracles, and Rare Events Happen Every Day. And it ties right into our conversation. It's a very important topic for investors. Understanding you've got to – here's the thing. Um, you know, I'm not a math nerd, right? But I'm extremely intuitive around numbers. Like I really get numbers almost more than the, the language itself, almost more in words itself. And – You've, you want to get that way because so many decisions that we make, if you don't really understand it, it will look like a miracle or you know, things that happen around you look like a coincidence or something, and it's not. Like This stuff happens all the time, and there's a reason why, and you have to understand how this stuff plays out. So anyway, it's a really interesting book if people are into that subject. Yeah, it very much helps investing. He's, a, he's actually a statistician for a hedge fund as well. Um, so you know, it's like... Investor geeks that understand probability payoff, expectancy, and unlikely events and how they impact portfolios and stuff. This stuff, you know, geek stuff for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely hasn't been my forte, but I definitely could get into it. Well, it applies to everyday life, too. You know, I mean, all the print, the principles apply to everyday life. You know, investing is really almost a metaphor for life in, in many ways. Yeah, see, that makes it even more intriguing because when you can apply it to and apply it to everyday life it just makes it that much more intriguing for me yeah so what do you feel holds most people back from truly living a life of abundance embracing the adventure and just going for it and and trusting the outcome so a lot of people they get too 
my experience is people will get too attached to comfort. They get too attached to security. Um, to me, there's really no security in life. You know, you, I mean, you can attain financial security, but, you know, then turn around and just lose your health and all of it was for naught anyway. So I think in the end, you just have to recognize, I think the deadline defines the actions that lead up to it. In other words, you know, the, there's a reason we call it a deadline, right? It's a metaphor because in life you die and that's your deadline, right? And so if you don't go for it and truly live your life, that's how you end up with regrets. And so I think people, they get sidetracked and they just stop living their life and embracing adventure and saying, what do I want to create? What do I want for my life? What really matters to me? What is it that I'm going to regret if I go to my deathbed, you know, and haven't lived and haven't gone for it? It's it's a really powerful concept when you work with it and it, it, it has the impact to change lives. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my next question was, what does living a life of abundance mean to you? But you really just kind of summed it up right there. Okay. <laughs> I'm good enough with that. Yeah. I mean, you really focused in on it. It was all in one, and I really appreciate you sharing that. We're going to close this up, Todd, and I really appreciate your time. What did we not talk about today that you'd like to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation? Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. You know, I just I enjoyed talking with you, and I'm I, not clear what else to share. Yeah, we touched on quite a few things. And um, again, I really appreciate all your information and everything you shared. I'll have your website and the books and anything else that we talked about linked up in the show notes at menofabundance.com. And by the way, how in the world did you get a hold of the URL for Financial Mentor? <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny story. You know, we'll close out with it. Yeah. Part of it was luck. Um, I um, I happen to see Corey Rudel, who I doubt you know that name, right? Corey Rudel? I don't. Okay, Corey Rudel is the guy that taught most of what are the big name, the big legacy names in internet marketing that are about two generations old as of now. Um, so, like Yannick Silver and mm-hmm. you know some of these other names that you would know. Those I do know. And I've, yeah, I've heard of a lot of them. Learned from Corey Rudel. He was absolutely brilliant um, young man and had a passion for Porsches and uh, was a passenger in a Porsche that hit a wall at about two hundred miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why you don't know his name anymore, but he was just brilliant. And I happened to see him. He was, you know, making millions a year, very early in the years of the internet, like, uh, middle 1990s. Um, so people had hardly even heard of the internet and he was already making millions a year in it. And, you know, he understood early on, it was a direct marketing medium that was built for it and not intentionally, but it was perfect for it and, uh, was just leading the way. And like I said, he taught most of the people who taught most of the people that we hear from today, um, so he's really like kind of the grandfather of source. So the, I stumbled into him at his first public speaking presentation. Wow. I was up in I was up in uh, uh, Vancouver, Canada, and it was his first time. And he, he was a terrible public speaker, but he was so brilliant. Like his his mind was so brilliant, his mouth couldn't keep up with it. And he was still talking a million miles an hour. Mm. Um, just one of those crazy, nutty, brilliant guys uh, that just knew what to do and could write really well. He was a really good writer, two copywriter. Anyway, so I saw him and I got a vision. It was right after I sold my hedge fund. I got a vision for what I wanted to do around financial mentor. I went and got the URL. It was available at the time because back then you could get good URLs. And then amazingly, I had a lawyer. I started building the business and you know, I had the 
stationery and business cards, and I was pretty committed to it. And I had a website. And I had a lawyer tell me that I couldn't do it. That uh, it was the trademark was owned by, I think it was Bank of New York. It was a major New York bank. I can't remember which one. And um, so anyway, it turned out to be bad legal advice. There was some loopholes and some angles, and I managed to secure the trademark. Um, so anyway, it's a pretty convoluted story, um, but uh, that's how I got it. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's interesting to me, and that's why I asked, because I see some URLs, and they're like, well, you're pretty much reaching, but yours, it's it's spot on, and it's, and I'm sure it's a very much sought-after uh, URL. Yeah, I feel very fortunate to have it, you know, and then to get all the social media handles as well with the same. Um, very fortunate to have it because it's tough to do these days. It is, absolutely. I'm sure people that are just even looking to see if the URL is available definitely end up on your site and say, who is this guy that got the financialmentor.com? <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thanks for sharing that story as well, Todd. I truly appreciate it. And go out and have an amazing day and live an amazing life of abundance, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Wally. Aloha. All right, guys, that's all we have for you today. Listen, anytime that you're going to be doing any type of investing or working on anybody else's course and learning from everybody, make sure you vet everybody. Just because I have guys on my show and I have these conversations, they may be guys that I trust and they're trustworthy guys. I do what I can to vet everybody who comes on the show. And Todd came suggested to me from a very, very reputable source, and I trust that source. But you need to take, just like anything else, you need to take matters into your own hands. You need to do your own due diligence and make sure that the programs and the people that you're going to work with is right for you. This is true for everything. This is true for finances, insurance, health and fitness, even your religious leaders, even your educators and your teachers. Make sure that the people that you're listening to and you're taking advice from is right for you where you're at today. All right, guys, now go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.